sermons by Embound a praying ministry successful the principal cause of miliness and unfruitfulness is owing to an unaccountable backwardness to pray. I can write, or read, or converse, or hear with a ready heart, but prayer is more spiritual, and in word than any of these, and the more spiritual any duty is the more my carnal heart is apt to start from it. Prayer and patience and faith are never disappointed. I have long since learned, that if ever I was to be a minister faith and prayer must make me one. When I can find my heart and frame and liberty for prayer, everything else is comparatively easy. Richard Newton it may be put down as a spiritual axiom, that in every truly successful ministry prayer is an evident and controlling force, evident, and controlling in the life of the preacher, evident, and controlling in the deep spirituality of his work. A ministry may be a very thoughtful ministry without prayer, the preacher may secure fame and popularity without prayer, the whole machinery of the preacher's life and work may be run without the oil of prayer, or with scarcely enough to grease one cog, but no ministry can be a spiritual one, securing holiness, in a preacher, and in his people, without prayer being made an evident and controlling force. The preacher that prays indeed puts God, into the work. God does not come into the preacher's work, as a matter of course, or on general principles, but he comes by prayer, and special urgency. That God will be found of us in the day, that we seek him with the whole heart is as true of the preacher as of the penitent. A prayerful ministry is the only ministry that brings the preacher into sympathy with the people. Prayer as essentially unites to the human as it does to the divine. A prayerful ministry is the only ministry qualified for the high offices and responsibilities of the preacher. Colleges, learning, books, theology, preaching cannot make a preacher, but praying does. The Apostles' commission to preach was a blank, till filled up by the Pentecost which praying brought. A prayerful minister has passed beyond the regions of the popular, beyond the man of mere affairs, of secularities, of pulpit attractiveness, passed beyond the ecclesiastical organizer, or general into a sublimer and mightier region, the region of the spiritual. Holiness is the product of his work, transfigured hearts and lives emblazon the reality of his work, its trueness, and substantial nature. God is with him. His ministry is not projected on worldly or surface principles. He is deeply stored with and deeply schooled in the things of God. His long, deep communings with God, about his people, and the agony of his wrestling spirit have crowned him, as a prince in the things of God. The iciness of the mere professional has long since melted under the intensity of his praying. The superficial results of many a ministry, the deadness of others, are to be found in the lack of praying. No ministry can succeed without much praying, and this praying must be fundamental, ever-abiding, ever-increasing. The text, the sermon, should be the result of prayer. The study should be bathed in prayer, all its duties so impregnated with prayer, its whole spirit the spirit of prayer. I am sorry that I have prayed so little, was the deathbed regret of one of God's chosen ones, a sad and remorseful regret for a preacher. I want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer, said the late Archbishop Date. So may we all say, and this may we all secure. God's true preachers have been distinguished by one great feature, they were men of prayer. Differing often in many things, they have always had the common center. They may have started from different points and traveled by different roads, but they converged to one point, they were one in prayer. God to there was the center of attraction, and prayer was the path that led to God. These men prayed not occasionally, not a little at regular or at odd times, but they so prayed that their prayers entered into and shaped their characters, they so prayed, 
as to affect their own lives and the lives of others, they so prayed, as to make the history of the church and influence the current of the times. They spent much time in prayer, not because they marked the shadow on the dial or the hands on the clock, but because it was to them so momentous and engaging a business that they could scarcely give over. Prayer was to them what it was to Paul, a striving with earnest efforts of soul, what it was to Jacob, a wrestling and prevailing, what it was to Christ, strong crying and tears. They prayed always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. The effectual, fervent prayer has been the mightiest weapon of God's mightiest soldiers. The statement in regard to Elijah, that he was a man subject to like passions, as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years, and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit comprehends all prophets and preachers, who have moved their generation for God, and chose the instrument by which they work their wonders. Begin the day with prayer I ought to pray before seeing anyone. Often when I sleep long, or meet with others early, it is eleven, or twelve o'clock, before I begin secret prayer. This is a wretched system. It is unscriptural. Christ arose before day and went into a solitary place. David says, Early will I seek thee, thou shalt early hear my voice. Family prayer loses much of its power and sweetness, and I can do no good to those who come to seek from me the conscience feels guilty, the soul unfed, the lamp not trimmed. Then when in secret prayer the soul is often out of tune, I feel it is far better to begin with God, to see his face first, to get my soul near him before it is near another. Robert Murray McShane the men who have done the most for God, in this world have been early on their knees. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity, and freshness, in other pursuits, than seeking God will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. If God is not first in our thoughts and efforts in the morning, he will be in the last place the remainder of the day. Behind this early rising and early praying is the ardent desire which presses us into this pursuit after God. Morning listlessness is the index to a listless heart. The heart which is behind hand in seeking God, in the morning has lost its relish for God. David's heart was ardent after God. He hungered and thirsted after God, and so he sought God early, before daylight. The bed and sleep could not chain his soul in its eagerness after God. Christ longed for communion with God, and so, rising a great while before day, he would go out into the mountain to pray. The disciples, when fully awake and ashamed of their indulgence, would know where to find him. We might go through the list of men who have mightily impressed the world for God, and we would find them early after God. A desire for God which cannot break the chains of sleep is a weak thing, and will do but little good for God, after it has indulged itself fully. The desire for God that keeps so far behind the devil and the world at the beginning of the day will never catch up. It is not simply the getting up that puts men to the front and makes them captain generals and God's hosts, but it is the ardent desire which stirs and breaks all self-indulgent chains. But the getting up gives vent, increase, and strength to the desire. If they had lain in bed and indulged themselves, the desire would have been quenched. The desire roused them and put them on the stretch for God, and this heeding and acting on the call gave their faith its grasp on God and gave to their hearts the sweetest and fullest revelation of God, and the strength of faith and fullness of revelation made them saints by eminence, and the halo of their sainthood has come down to us, and we have entered on the enjoyment of their conquests.
but we take our fill in enjoyment, and not in productions. We build their tombs and write their epitaphs, but are careful not to follow their examples. We need a generation of preachers who seek God, and seek Him early, who give the freshness and due of effort to God, and secure in return the freshness and fullness of His power, that He may be, as the due to them, full of gladness and strength, through all the heat and labor of the day. Our laziness, after God is our crying sin. The children of this world are far wiser than we. They are at it early and late. We do not seek God with ardor and diligence. No man gets God who does not follow hard after him, and no soul follows hard after God, who is not after him in early morn.